0: Hello there and welcome back to the Agostino Zynga show with I your host Agostino Zynga and this is episode number 594 It should be 594, I'm hoping it's 594, it's not 594, it's 595 but one of those episodes that is the one you're listening to right now Thank you so much for tuning in again and hanging out with me I know it's been a while, I know I've been a bit MIA, I've been a bit missing in action, I've been a bit a wall and all that malarkey, but I'm back now in the hot seat, ready and willing to give you the hot cultural news as I usually do, as I usually do. Um, but yeah, let's just jump right into it, innit? No point of just you know bearing the lead, man. Where have I been? What have I been up to? Well, as most of you would know, as I've spoken the podcast many, many times beforehand, I went to Berlin for the weekend, right? And this trip was a little bit of a weird one because I was meant to go to Houghton Festival. It was the same weekend Then I kind of cancelled Going last minute Because I realised It was like a proper Proper camping trip Which I haven't been on In a while And I basically Pussied out of it To be honest If I'm going to be Really really blunt on myself I kind of pussied out of it And thought you know what Instead of doing a camping trip And lying down on the grass somewhere I'd rather just go And do like a Normal kind of Holiday weekend trip thing Go to Berlin A place that I've been to A million times I've never been to Houghton, But let me go to the same place I go to all the time Because I know it And because I'm Comfortable with it And because I'm used to it Um, And because maybe I didn't want to change my plans You know, whatever Maybe I don't know what happened I just last minute freaked out And decided now I'm not going to go to Houghton Which might have been a mistake But then thinking about it Now it may have been the right decision to make Because now I know When I do want to go next year I am more prepared In terms of actually going um, prepared Yeah, with stuff And whatever it may be Because I just assumed I was going to buy the tent and maybe take some sheets with me to kind of cover myself and I'll be fine, right? But you have to kind of lay tarp, you have to bring like flashlights. I just forgot what you need to do in terms of going to a camping sort of festival thing. You have to bring quite a lot of stuff. You have to bring like clips to like hang stuff if you want to wash some stuff. Just many little odds and bits and bobs. It's not like the most simple, just go there, plop up, you know, because the, the good thing about Houlton, they already prep a tent for you, so you don't have to do that sort of stuff. And usually, um, oh, and they also have the option of you, um, buying an air mattress or whatnot so you can have that already set up in there so you're kind of ready, basically ready to go especially with this heat you probably didn't even need a bed sheet or you just need basically a pillow and maybe something to cover yourself if it did get a bit chilly but instead of you know with this major heat we had for the most part you probably could have slept outside and you'd be completely fine so that would have been okay but you know i, I cancelled last minute it's inside decide to go to berlin and i have to be honest man the berlin trip i went on this weekend or this past weekend wasn't the greatest. And most of it had to do with me. I'd say 85% of it was to do with me. I think for the most part, one of the main reasons why is because I didn't really have a solid plan. I kind of went there knowing that I'd wa- I didn't really want to go to Berger and I went to try different things. I didn't end up even going to the club I wanted to go to which was RSO. That was the main one I wanted to kind of venture out to but I still just went to kind of explore and go to different places. I did end up going to a new club that I hadn't been to previously before called About Blank. It's not new sorry, but a club that I hadn't been to before. It's, it's fairly kind of well established within the Berlin scene. They had pretty decent and well-known parties they had like buttons a few years ago but they went through some scandal um, concerning what the war i think concerning what was happening in palestine i think something happened there and because about blank was supporting israel or was you know sympathetic to you know the idf people in the seeing side again angry and then that led to loads of kind of really popular nights that used to happen in About Blank basically to pull out and basically pop their parties in other places so is going to be a bit of a weird thing but I think they've kind of changed direction and how they do things you know the standards club stuff right so I'd never been to About Blank but I always wanted to check it out so I finally went there and checked it out but I think in general my experience wasn't the greatest because I didn't really have a plan. I kind of went there loosey-goosey. Um, I kind of really didn't go out there to hit up anybody either. The people I did hit up kind of all kind of flaked last minute, which was disappointing, but to be expected. I think one of the annoying things I think about living in Berlin, I'd imagine similar to living in London, is that when people come and visit you, they just assume you're always on like 24-7 party time. And for whatever reason, I don't know what happens. I don't know why this is the case, but for whatever reason, whenever whenever you go to visit somebody, especially if it's in like a metropolitan city with like a good party scene, it's always, it's kind of, it it kind of feels like coincidence, but maybe it's just like weird timing. But whenever you go to visit somebody, it always feels like you're visiting them just on the back end of them going on a mad bender. So they've gone on a crazy bender, they've been out for two weeks, or they've been out for three days in a row, they haven't slept, and then you arrive the next day. That's when they want to finally like, you know, get themselves clean, have some green juice not do any drugs not drink anything you know have a good breakfast have a good diet maybe go for a run like they just they're deciding to like you know start their life again and kind of start anew and we you know all party people all ravers go through the same thing you wake up on a monday on a sunday and you you know you kind of hate yourself and you want to change your life and you think off oh, for monday i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that and usually that's t- that tends to kind of coincide with somebody comes to visits you. So I can understand when someone comes in, someone, especially like myself, I'm ready to go. I'm like on level 10. You're like, oh no, if I meet this guy, it's going to be full on. You already know how I am already like sober. So imagine what I'm like drunk. Imagine what I'm like high. So I can imagine why they'd be like, you know what, let me just like back out of this because this is going to be too intense. And I already had a bit of an intense cat-filled, GHB-filled weekend, past weekend. So I can not how people do that. So it happens often. But then also I was thinking to myself, I'm quite fortunate in that I don't really have friends in terms of like, you know even here in London, I don't necessarily hang out with many people. I can maybe count my friends on maybe one hand, maybe two or people to actually hang around with maybe on one hand. And I think that is good because it helps you not to take those things personal. Because I'd imagine if you were somebody that was, you know, very much friend, friend, friend kind of vibes. If you go to meet somebody and then they can't meet you or they, they agree to meet you and then they, they kind to last minute, it would kind of hurt your feelings. Be like, oh man. I was there for you, and I was there for you at this point, you know, I did this for you, I did that for you, but you can't do this for me. But me, I have zero expectation of anybody, zero. Like legitimately, even family members, I don't expect anything from anybody. Um, if it happens and it, you know, and it kind of transpires, fair enough, amazing. Um, i'm happy god bless you all that good stuff but i'm not expecting anything i mean i don't feel like i'm entitled to anybody's time either so i think that really helps to kind of deal with the situation like you know i don't really that bothered so maybe that kind of added to the laissez-faire attitude to the flipping trip i don't think so really like i said i think it was mostly me because i went there with like no plan and kind of loosey-goosey and i basically only went to two nightclubs i went to the same heads which i wouldn't really call a nightclub i would call it a bar more so and then i went to um what do you call it about blank and that was it. I didn't even go to Bergheim. Like I was going to go last minute on the Sunday. Then I just woke up tired. Um and then just basically got some burgers from Flippin' Burgermeister and some cheesy fries and basically walked around, drank my beer, ate the burgers in a fucking park somewhere and just chilled. That was it. Like literally, that was. I think I had Burgermeister twice. Actually, I think I ordered once at the at the flat I was staying. I was staying in, which was a great flat. Actually, it was like in Hermannplatz, which is might be one of my favorite locations to actually get an apartment out there in Berlin because it's not local, it's not too trendy and too in that bit, and it's not too far out west kind of thing. Like I was staying in before, which was Mitter, or which was. Um, Prince Lauerberg or wedding and stuff so it's not too far out that way because the far out thing doesn't really matter too much because you know you're on holiday but it does matter sometimes if you want to wake up late and get to the airport because if you stay in a place like Hermanplatz, the airport from door to door is like I think on the way there if it's like traffic it's like an hour and 20 minutes but on the way back it's like 40 minutes especially if it's like you know before like 9 a.m or something it's like 40 minutes an hour to get to the airport which is flipping crazy on public transport really cool really nice journey to get there so um, for the most and sometimes if you're lucky you can just take one train like an s-band that takes you straight to the airport so that can make things a little bit more easy but in general it wasn't the greatest trip and i think for me personally going forward It might be time to i think i said it last time and i booked a trip again two months later but it might be time to kind of give that place a break and just press pause on it for a little bit and then try to explore some new spaces you know places sorry locations to go to especially my techno tourism and it's a shame because i think prior to covid i was a little bit more adventurous in my places i went to many different places to visit just for the sake of techno but i think since since the pandemic i guess i've had this weird thing where i'm only going to places i know just in case things like get locked down again I don't want to try something new in case it's shit And then it gets locked down and I can't go anywhere again So weird logic to have But I think that's what's going on in my head But there's so many locations I need to check out Like Copenhagen, I heard, has a good scene I still haven't been to Tbilisi in Georgia That obviously has one of the best clubs there You know, in terms of techno um, How you pronounce it? Basa, Basa Ani One of the best clubs there out there is going on um, what else I was gonna think about doing? There's places in Italy I wanna check out, have good scenes. I'm thinking about actually going to the, the school, um, opening reopening, sorry, in September. That might be a good one. Just pop in there on a Friday, leave, you know, the next day, um, and just kind of bounce on the Saturday, wherever it may be. So there's plenty of options I can kind of do and kind of go to kind of have fun and, you know, chill out and do that stuff, whatever it may be. Um but I think I might have to keep Berlin a little bit of a pause, especially if I only want to go for nights out and stuff because the bars are cool, don't get me wrong, they're great. The clubs are cool, but no, the bars are cool, don't get me wrong, it's good to bar hop, but the main reason why I go there is to go for the clubs and of course the food. The food is phenomenal. The other day, or actually when I went there um, this past weekend, whatever, on a Sunday or something, I ran and tried to pop into like a kebab shop that I was next to where I was living in and unfortunately they ran out of donuts. and then the guys like, oh, we only have, um, what do they have? We only have halloumi or something, right? And I was like, I I'd never really tried it. Not really something that I would, you know, go for. So it's like, oh, fuck it, let me get Halloumi flipping wrap. And let me tell you, that thing was sublime. Legitimately might have been more tasty than the donut that I got the next day at the place. I had to try the donut the doona, whatever. Um, hey, that's how you pronounce it. But the next day when I actually tried the halloumi, no, so when I tried the halloumi, it was actually better than the Duna that I tried the next day. It was absolutely so, so tasty. Blew my, blew my fucking face off. And the burger my side there was just so tasty, man. The meat, oh, it's so scrumptious. And you know, it was a good sign of, of a good burger a good sign of a good burger is if you can leave it out and it's still tasty when you eat it kind of room room temperature or when you eat it kind of semi-cold that's when you could tell it's like a good pizza you could tell a good pizza when you can eat it you know straight from the plate then it's actually tasty and I really really found those to be tasty that was was actually a good thing but of course the main thing to go to those places to go and club so I think what I'm gonna do next time because I was really fortunate one time I went to Berlin I forgot when it was I think one time I went I think there was Paloma's had like a really sick night that I went to to go. And I think Soundstream was playing or something crazy like that. And then in Burkheim flipping DJ, Harvey was playing in the main room. Absolutely insane. He tore that place apart. It legitimately is a set that still lives in my memory. now. I think I've spoken about it a lot of times here on the podcast. So I think what I might do if I don't end up going for New Year, which is probably the next time I'll probably end up going, Get myself in spick band shape as well Because I don't know if it's all, Maybe I'm thinking as well Maybe the skinny thing is an issue too Because I've been trying to lose weight for a while um Or not for a while But like you know Training for a bit And um maybe that's an issue too The fact that I don't feel like I'm at my prime condition yet Maybe because The reason why I liked going out there Is because every time I was going out there I was like getting fitter and fitter and fitter So I was fitting into more of my clothes That I like to wear When I go to those kind of places Maybe that's part of it I'm not really too sure But regardless My vibe just really wasn't At the point it needed to be So I'm I'm gonna give you a pause. I'm also going to wait um for actual people that I actually want to go see to go and perform because on that Sunday that I was there, that weekend that just gone by, I was interested to see maybe Francois X and a couple other people, but for the most part the lineup really wasn't it. it really wasn't hitting for me. Um and again it's not their fault. They have to program a nightclub like that, you know, basically, you know, whatever. How many days is that? like crazy amount of hours they have to basically program at that club like that right to fill in the DJs to play to make them make sure they're there it's a lot to program sometimes you kind of run out of people to play and especially during the festival season everyone's all over the world non-compete laws and clauses and shit so I get it. it's really difficult to kind of make it work but I think what I might do is I might just kind of Set up a little pot in my Monzo And just put in some money Every month like 20 quid, 50 quid For just emergency You know, Techno trip somewhere So if I see a flyer that I like That I, I'm down to kind of check out Someone's playing here Lastminute.com And the fact that now I can work from home And I'm very I'm I'm way more responsible than I was Maybe years gone by So I can definitely work from home um, Like at home properly Finish and then go and rave And then come back and work in the morning I'm completely fine to do that I think I may do that Going forward Just make a pot, Put some money in there And have that fun there Ready to go Whenever I need to You know Hop on a plane quickly A little Eurostar A little Eurostar A little Ryanair A little easyjet To go and check out A flipping thing Because I wasn't really The biggest fan Of this trip I went on And again This is my fault too Because I passed up On going to Possession Tech The Possession Fucking festival in Paris Which I probably Should have checked out Even though I don't Really like the music Just to have seen What it was like And I passed up The chance to go to Houghton Because I wasn't really Feeling Doing the whole Camping thing But, you know, maybe it was for the best in general. But, yeah, that's what I've been up to in the weekend. And, of course, actually, what I did end up doing, you can tell how flipping um, unmotivated I was to go and explore the city, actually. I did actually end up taking my laptop and my streaming equipment, and I did stream. So I think if some of you guys were out there, or some of you guys were up over the weekend this past weekend you would have seen me streaming on my channel so definitely um, if you haven't checked it out already make sure you do I think it might be episode number 42 it's up on my YouTube now I'll put a link to it in the description if you're listening to the podcast if you haven't checked out my live stream before but I did a live stream that was pretty fun um, doing it from an Airbnb I can scream and shout as much as I want you know there weren't many neighbours around you know big windows, high ceilings and stuff, like good acoustics, like wooden floors. I just nice to go get that stuff done over there. So that was pretty decent, I'm not going to lie. But overall, maybe give it a break, chill out a little bit, but that's where I've been this past weekend. Anyway, many things to talk about on the show. Don't want to waste more of your time. I've already updated you on my weekend stuff. This is getting a bit boring. Let's just jump right into it. So first things first I want to talk about. I'm really, really surprised at this news because I think when it first broke, I didn't really understand what was going on. I think I'm still having a hard time Getting my head around American law when it comes to like crimes and stuff, especially when it involves celebrities and people that have money, it just nothing nothing really makes sense, right? It just seems as if like there's one kind of law for people that don't have money and one law people one set of laws for people that do have money, and the consequences and repercussions of it kind of reflect it too. So there was news that dropped or kind of got released a few months back that ASAP Rocky. Was being investigated for a shooting, right? And at the time it happened, I remember it being a case of like he was being sued, right? And this is an article courtesy of TMZ that says the same thing. ASAP Rocky sued ex ASAP member, um, says he's shooting victim, right? And this was what this was on the eighth, on the tenth of the eighth, right? Asap Rocky is now being sued over the shooting that led to his arrest, and the guy who's saying his victim is a former member of the ASAP group. Rocky is being sued for assault and battery by Terrell Efron, a former member of ASAP Mob who carries the moniker ASAP Rally. Right, according to a lawsuit obtained by TMZ, Efron claims the shooting went down November 6th in Hollywood, where he says Rocky set up a meeting, initiated a verbal altercation, leading to shots being fired. In the docs, Efron says Rocky pulled out a handgun during the dispute, pointed at him, and pulled the trigger, firing multiple shots with bullet fragments striking Efron. Efron claims he suffered injuries to his hand and required medical attention and at the time it seemed like he was only being sued i didn't understand why he was not being charged as it you know because you flipping fired a gun at somebody right it just didn't make any sense to me and then also the media coverage around it was very weird i think if at the time when it happened and rocky and rihanna were, were off on holiday somewhere before they, their baby um was born and then obviously when they flew back as soon as they landed rocky was kind of you know um arrested when he jumped off a private jet or something but it was very kind of like I don't know the news wasn't really covering it that much it just seemed kind of like yeah you know he's being sued for like a little kerfuffle blah 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 it's like hold on it involves a gun it involves a victim um allegedly there's um flipping CCTV footage of the actual incident um there's an eyewitness too that saw it happened it just didn't make any sense for me right and now out of nowhere things started to crank up I guess they just I guess there was them investigating it. I'm not too sure how you can sue somebody before they're being charged with it. I don't really know what's happening in America, but all of a sudden, you know, over the last couple of days, you start seeing articles like this pop up curse your TMZ again, saying ASAP Rocky charged with assault with alleged shooting, for a alleged shooting, sorry. ASAP Rocky is now facing criminal charges for an alleged shooting, um in hollywood where he's accused of where he's accused of firing multiple shots at a former friend los angeles district attorney george cascon announced on monday that the office was charging the rapper with two counts of assault with a semi-automatic firearm the prosecutor prosecutor say remember yeah so out of nowhere he gets arrested no out of nowhere he gets charged for it and then now the recent update is that um you know obviously the victim is thrilled which is a crazy headline to see but the recent update is Asa Brocky was now in flipping court um you know facing his charges and this is him let's actually play the clip of him courtesy of tmz in court now at the moment well acting court a few hours ago within 10 court days of your arraignment and an additional right to
1: preliminary hearing within 60 calendar days of your arraignment do you understand those rights and agree to give them up Okay. Your attorney has requested that your matter be continued to November the 2nd, with the understanding that your preliminary hearing may begin within 30 calendar days of that date. Do you understand that and agree to this time waiver? You understand and agree? Yes. Counsel joined? Yes. Thank you. Sir, please listen carefully. You must not harass, strike, threaten, assault, follow, stop, molest, destroy or damage personal or real property, disturb the peace, keep under surveillance, or block the movements of the protected person in this order. You must not own, possess, buy or try to buy, receive or try to receive, or otherwise obtain a firearm or ammunition. You must surrender to local law enforcement or a licensed gun dealer, any firearm owned by you, or subject to your immediate possession or control within 24
0: hours after service of this order, absolutely crazy times isn't it right so this is obviously him in court it says that he's pled not guilty to the felony firearms charges oh, i guess because he's a felon isn't it right because he went to prison for something what did he go to prison for? i forgot so it's a committed felon so he shouldn't be owning firearms i'm guessing um, ASAP showed up to the downtown LA criminal courthouse Wednesday, all suited up for his arrangement His arraignment, sorry, his arraignments are quick, and this was no exception. Um, ASAP broke into the plea, both charges of assault with a semi-automatic firearm. That's him looking quite amazing in a suit. To be fair, ASAP walked confidently to the podium with his lawyer, Sarah Kaplan of OJ. Oh wow, he got OJ's lawyer. and <laughs> crazy. Um, His bond was set at 550k and preliminary hearing was set for November as reported. Now, I just find it interesting how things are covered and I guess it has to do a lot with whether or not you're liked and your perception online because I think a lot about the flipping Tory Lane stuff, right, when it kind of relates to this sort of stuff because... I think to myself, like Tory Lanez wasn't even that well known prior to his little kerfuffle that he got in with Megan Thee Stallion. So I'm really trying to struggle to kind of get my head around why the reaction and the reception to him from the what a public opinion was so negative straight off the bat maybe because it had to, maybe because it had to do more with Megan at the time she was very beloved and very well liked and she had a lot of kind of um, goodwill against her name especially with the whole hot girl summer thing and being in school and all that sort of stuff and that was kind of a thing a little shit she'd done you know before kind of people kind of maybe knew her more as a person but it always makes me laugh when I see these kind of things because I think about his obviously Rocky what he's going through I think about what happened to Louis Uzivert Quite soon after the whole Megan The Stallion and you know Tory Lanez thing, uh, Louis Uzivert gets involved in a kerfuffle with his ex girlfriend and Saint John they you know bump into each other at some cafe he allegedly pulls out a gun um points it at saint john or sticks it in his belly or hits his girlfriend but something involving a gun and him basically being violent and assaulting a woman and he basically got charged for it um he got told to do counseling i'm pretty sure drug he read loads of stuff right he didn't go to prison but he obviously got convicted and found guilty of whatever he was accused of and for whatever reason he wasn't cancelled he was still in festivals, he was still doing shows, collaborations, whatever. Nothing changed for him. But for some reason, Tory Lane's entire career was put on pause because he essentially got into an argument with his girlfriend in a car. And according to whoever you listen to, bullets were fired, or some a gun was fired, bullets. Hit the ground Hit the foot Who knows Something happened But we have no idea Who actually fired the gun And so far All four people in the car Have have kind of resisted The urge To kind of clear up Who actually did fire the gun But essentially, his career was put on hold and cancelled because of that incident. And he still hasn't had his day in court. He still hasn't been found guilty of the crimes that he's been accused of. And yet he's still basically fighting against it, right? In terms of the system, in terms of not being put on playlists, in terms of not being prominent on festivals, in terms of not maybe getting certain collabs and certain deals and stuff. Like, I'm sure many, many monies and stuff have been lost because I remember listening to an interview with the Baby actually recently on the Nelk Boys podcast or something. I think it was one of them ones. And he mentioned randomly that he had a, he had a deal or a meal, sorry, that he was um, just in the works of finalising with Burger King. I think it was, what was his name? A Kirk Mill or something. Um, and he was meant to be putting it out and it, seemed, and it seemed to happen around the same time he said those kind of wild statements about gay people at that festival, right? So obviously he has yourself to blame on that one. But again, the difference in kind of punishment is maybe... You could say it really relates to if you're liked or not, or who you're married to, or who you're signed to, or who you're partnered up with. Cool, that could help. But in some cases, I also so think you can just be unlucky. Maybe Tory Lanez was just unlucky because he was the first high profile kind of case that happened during the kind of quote unquote pandemic times. Everyone was at home, everyone was on their phones was it around the pandemic or was it before the pandemic i don't know but it just felt like maybe that was the first thing that happened and maybe people kind of got really nervous around it maybe because it also happened around the time the whole brianna taylor stuff happened rip i don't know but i just found it very interesting the different levels of kind of reaction and media coverage around this whole entire thing and if he does be and if he is found guilty of it what then yeah i mean does he go to prison like that's a wild thing you know asap rocky like Who would have ever thought somebody of his calibre, an artist like him anyway in general, would be involved in such nonsense. But it also goes to show that maybe behind the scenes, ASAP mob aren't as tight as we imagined they would be. Or maybe they've never been as tight as we thought they were. Um, Maybe the crew isn't as close as they kind of lead on, which is pretty, which may be a a kind of a nod to them. It might be a bit of props to them that they've been able to kind of keep whatever beef there's been having under wraps. I remember because I'm a, a fan of the group and I'm a fan of them in general, um, just individuals or whatever. I do remember the only thing I remember seeing back in the day, I forgot his name. I think his name is Aesop Eels, the really light-skinned dude. I remember him having a beef with Nas or some. I've got someone else in the group. That was the only thing I remember that was a big thing that happened. And I think they really, really fell out and to the point where you don't really see Eels that much really anymore with that entire crew. They all kind of do their own thing, but it does feel like whenever Rocky's in New York, they all kind of link back up again, like Megatron. Do you know what I mean? It feels like it. They all kind of hang out again. And maybe, you know, Rocky and Ferg aren't the closest because of just artists, music shit. And pitting people against each other, uh, Ferg trying to find his own voice, you know, cutting off his hair, going all these kind of things. It's all record industry, record label shenanigans. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was kind of like a calculated thing. Let me like, not be seen in public with a guy too much, but we are boys. So I can kind of find my own voice and become my own person. Cool. Uh, you know, ASAP Nas is basically an influencer, right? He doesn't make music at all. He doesn't rap at all, even though he's maybe, I would say, second best rapper out of the group you could argue if you wanted to say like legitimately he's really talented when it comes to rapping but for whatever reason he's either lazy or just uninspired when it comes to music but he doesn't really make music that much anymore he just kind of is an influencer and uh it feels like a what would you call it a creative consultant it feels like for brands and a modeling whatever um but for the most part they've all kind of in 12 years well he he actually rap really well as well and he kind of does his own thing too Maybe a good example, a good indication that they were kind of always broken up as a group was when ASAP Ant basically stopped really repping ASAP mob too hard. Because I remember at the time ASAP Ant being maybe one of the worst of the group, but maybe being also one of the biggest cheerleaders of the group. Like he was really enthusiastic about what they were doing. And he, it felt like he was the only one basically holding on to ASAP mob, right? But then it felt like also whenever he popped off and started doing his own brand, which is, um, what is it? Marino Infantry. It also felt like he started to finally, you know, find his own footing and get his own way to the point where now he does music himself, but also just kind of does it casually. Not like I, I don't feel like he's pursuing. A super super serious music career, but he does it for fun and puts out some pretty decent projects, like pretty decent ones. Very well produced. Again, maybe if you're not a fan of his voice and like his rapping is one thing, but maybe that was an indication ASAP mob was over when ASAP and stopped like repping ASAP Mob super hard. Um that was maybe an indication that the group isn't where it was and isn't where it should be. Rocky as well himself, and he's you know, he can't really say he's really a musician anymore. He's kind of all encompassing, um, and he probably gets way more money outside of music and does it in music, but why not kind of pick up a bag if people are willing to hear you? Form songs that are like two, four, six, eight, ten years old. Do you know what I mean? It makes complete sense. Um, but it does also explain why, in the last few months and stuff, he's really ramped up the outside stuff of music he does it anyway but you know from the liquor that he has to I think a pop-up shop he did some brand thing he did that thing with um, them Klarna there's many things that he did recently that kind of felt like you know somebody's kind of in a rush to get these brand deals out so maybe he knew prior that there was this court case was always going to looming over his head but again I just find it interesting the lack of coverage that's been that this has been having on the major kind of news platforms and stuff especially when it comes to like you know people that have a lot of things to say the ones that are snarky and like to be gossipy and stuff they've kind of kept their they've kind of kept their opinions themselves when it concerns Rocky because obviously they don't want to upset Rihanna and stuff whatever it may be, and that entire camp but I'm also curious to know whether or not he does actually get away with it like does this mean he kind of gets off scot-free because he's well connected and he has money and the resources um and that again would be a shame because if you're somebody that doesn't have the money and resources and you get involved in the same situation that Rocky gets into it, you have to do five to 10 years or something. You look at the situation very, very differently, but I guess that's just the, you know, the rule of law everywhere, really, even the UK is like that. I mean, you can get away with a lot if you do have the right people behind you and whatnot. And you can, you know, um, what's that thing called? You can shake the right hands, grease the right palms, all that malarkey. It makes complete sense. It makes complete sense. Um, Oh, I was to talk about here. Yeah, let's move on. Yeah, let's jump onto this one. So there's been an interview recently published courtesy of Esquire featuring the one and only Kid Cuddy. And I have to say, the pictures are phenomenal. Kid Cuddy does know how to take great pictures. He obviously looks amazing in clothes. He's obviously effortlessly cool and just a real, what I would say, capital A artist in terms of how he carries himself, what he talks about, his musical interest, how eclectic and kind of... Uh, um, marmite his music is nowadays you know he completely moved away from the sound that i would guess make him made him popular and made him legendary and he's just doing stuff that he kind of basically enjoys and for the most part you know exploring other projects outside of music like acting and whatnot so just living the full kind of life a creative should lead and somebody of his kind of caliber so i feel it i get it i understand but the beef with Kanye has been very interesting to watch from afar. Really interesting because as a fan, it's disappointing because you feel like they're far better together, right? They're far stronger together uh, musically and, you know, just I guess personally too because they're so freaky in whatever that they do. You'd, you'd probably, you'd probably, it'd probably be safe to assume that they probably, you know, see a lot of each other in each other as well. So th- that creative calibration must be just amazing. So it's a real shame that we're going to miss out a lot of it. But, For me It is quite cool To also see somebody Quote unquote Standing up to Kanye Especially somebody Within his friendship circle Because as a long time Kanye fan Especially somebody That had to endure All the nonsense That he you know Subjected us to During his presidential run And that kind of Mental breakdown Breakthrough You know Whatever he was going through With Kim in the beginning Like just nonsense Things that he kind of Subjected us fans to And made us kind of You know Argue for things That didn't make Complete sense it was also quite frustrating during that time to hear so, to hear so little from his fans, so no, so little from his close friends and collaborators when he was obviously freaking out and in some ways damaging his legacy. Um, Ruining Kind of You know The memory That he has In in his fans head And stuff Like just Doing irreparable damage Damage is probably Now he probably Still hasn't recovered from I think In certain general I think that whole run Maybe it's a good thing If you're an artist Because you get to Cleanse your fan base But that whole Presidential run And the nonsense around it And everything else Before it Calling Trump your daddy I think that has Turned off some fans That have never Really ever come back Because I know Even for myself I stopped really Caring about him As a person After that stuff And just started Seeing him more As an artist And I could Definitely separate The art from the artist um but or just started to enjoy his art and his output whatever it may be right but didn't really care too much about his personal life but i guess when you were a kanye stan and a fan like i was part of the beauty or part of the fun of it was caring about everything that he did right caring about his personal life what he thought about this what he thought about that that's why we like the rant so much at concerts but now people just turn that off because they just feel like he's mentally ill or whatnot or he doesn't know what he's talking about you know bloody blah, blah 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 so um it was really annoying during that time. I felt like, for me personally I'm talking for me personally on my side of things I find it really annoying how his collaborators just had nothing to say his close friends collaborators nothing to say when he was doing the most re- re- you know reprehensible things I feel like if anybody else in the community black community did the same things who wasn't Kanye they would have a lot more to say but because they wanted to protect their connection with him protect their you know their favours protect the fact that he's got clout and they can use his name or whatever it may be they all kind of kept completely stumped so in a weird way it is quite refreshing to see somebody of Kanye's circle quote-unquote standing up to him and not being worried that you're gonna basically isolate yourself from one of the biggest stars in the world somebody that is obviously turned himself to, into a creative powerhouse a proper legit mogul um, who's probably gonna be around for a long long time influencing culture it is a big risk to take but you know, for whatever's happened behind the scenes to the point where Kanye just doesn't feel like the relationship is re- is repairable and he doesn't want him around his life anymore, it is quite commendable. But on the other side of things, it is probably a bad move to do this interview with Esquire and spend the entire, I don't know, second half of the interview basically ranting about Kanye because if anything that we know about Kanye is that he does enjoy when he knows he gets under people's skin. And he has a really good, he has a really kind of strong, um, impressive um ability to do that with his words he's able to kind of really get under people's skin really sort of like twist the knob twist the knob and really make them feel bad about themselves whether it's a, you know Wiz Khalifa cool pants I'm just thinking off the top of my head and maybe it's a few others but he has the ability to really kind of poke people and get them to react in a weird way and I guess this is probably the example of it so I'm going to quickly read an example of it I think is at towards the bottom But there's many mentions of Kanye down. But I think it's towards the bottom, maybe towards the second paragraph that he just starts ranting on and on about Kanye. It's pretty, pretty wild. I'm not going to lie. Where is it? Um, Need to kind of say that. I think this is it. Yes, come up here. Okay, cool. So yeah. Uh, Where is it? Yeah, this is so here. Yeah. So um this is where it kinda starts him kinda ranting, can't it? it, says, it says, yeah, it's Courtesy of Esquire. So it's a really good magazine article. I recommend you check it out. It's a cover story. Check it out if you haven't already. It says, he and West have been, he and West have tivered for more than a decade as both friends and collaborators Ever since Cuddy signed to West label, um, Good Music, in 20, 2008 They appeared in each other's recent documentaries and multiple other projects, though Cuddy sees in an Imbalance He says, I've been on every one of that man's albums He's only been on two of mine, that should tell you something See, and that's the thing that I don't like they only say these things when they fall out with him. But at the time, no one says anything because they're licking his ass so much. So there are people within Kanye's circle who they feel as if they do everything for him, but he doesn't reciprocate it. But because it's Kanye, they don't want to ever say anything because they don't want to risk losing that friendship and that connect. It's a strange, strange thing. And I think I've always kind of felt that way, especially when it comes to men, like sucking off other men like that. It's always made me feel uncomfortable, especially even when it comes to maybe creative stuff and art stuff, because I always feel like i get it there's some people that are geniuses and once in a lifetime creatives and artists and whatnot and thought leaders. But for the most part, these ideas are basically stuff that we've all kind of had in a weird way, one way or the other, especially if you've been around long enough and you expose yourself to the scene and hanging around and networking and things. We can all come up with a good idea for a sneaker. We can all come up with a good idea for a stage show, a good idea for a product activation, a good idea for an album Like We've all got it in us. I'm pretty sure we've all got at least one good idea in us for each of those things. So to sit there and suck off and bred somebody who happens to do it at a really high level it just feels a little bit uncomfortable for me it doesn't really it's not really that's not the person I would want to do that kind of stuff for if there was another version of flipping Einstein or something right yeah maybe that would be the person you'd want to do that kind of thing for but a Kanye West I never really understood it anyway it continues um, it says and, and don't think I didn't ask he said over the years the two have repeatedly feuded mostly over creative differences but they always reconciled then in February of this year West announced that Cuddy wasn't featured on his album the 2 on Instagram he posted a photo of Cuddy posing with Shyamalan and Pete Davidson who famously was dating Kanye's ex-wife Kim the picture had X over David's face Davidson's face sorry Cuddy responded with a tweet calling West a dinosaur adding everyone knows I've been the best thing about your album since I met you. i am a pray for you, brother. In April, Cuddy wrote on Twitter that they were no longer friends. So clearly things moved to a level that you know he couldn't really fuck with anymore. love that he's wearing the fucking Virgil Abloh um Louis Vuitton's there. Um, do you know how it feels to wake up one day look at your social media and you're trending because somebody's talking some shit about you, he says. Um, and then you got his this person's troll sending you messages on Instagram and Twitter, all in your comments. That shit pissed me off. That he had the power to fuck with me that week. That he used his power to fuck with me. That pissed me off. He adds gravely. You fucking with my mental health now bro. Cuddy eventually brushed it off and borrowed into his peace bubble. The mental health thing I hate because it means basically no one can take the piss out of you. No one can argue with you. No one can diss you. No one can take the piss. No one can rib you. Just no one can get any kind of spat with you because immediately people are going to be like oh mental health, mental health. So that's a bit of an issue for me personally. But... I do think it was pretty um, appreh- I do think it was pretty repugnant For Kanye to do what he did to Cuddy, Knowing how his fans are online And knowing how they react Now again, it's not his responsibility How they respond to things But you have to be you have to be somewhat mindful Of what your fans are going to do With that kind of information Especially Kanye stands. They're very much like Kanye or die. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't matter who it is They're always going to choose Kanye Over that other person So the fact that that happened that way Was not really the greatest And it continues anyway It says here in the studio he leans forwards on his chair, a blunt between his fingers, and he says, I'm at a place in my life where I have zero tolerance for the wrong energies. I've watched so many people throughout the years that are close to him be burned by him during um some fucked or doing some fucked up shit, and then they turn around and forgive him. There's no repercussions. You're back cool with this man, he does it over and over again. Which is something that I've noticed a lot kind of again being from the outside looking in. And that's because I've you know, I know certain people who are close to him, I know certain people who are friends. Of him, and those are people who are collaborators of him, and it always did, did again disturb me, like how sometimes you'd hear these stories about how badly he treated people, or how badly he spoke to people, or whatever it may be, the demands he put on people, whatever it may be, right? Rudeness, bluntness, lack of compassion, whatever, whatever it may be, right? And you just think to yourself, this guy clearly sucks as a human being, but he, for whatever reason, people just can't stop keep away from him there's nothing he can do and legitimately one of the breaking points for me revelation of it was like wow this guy can get away with anything was the Trump stuff because at the time when Trump was president of the United States for whatever reason the media painted him as a racist which is obviously I think insane you know he might be a bad president he might be an oath he might be um you know a grifter and stuff but to say he's a stone-cold racist is a bit insane but at the time he was looked at as essentially out of Hitler, especially within the black community, right? Or especially within the left leaning politics. And it just in it just kind of boggled my mind that he could number one wear a MAGA hat and number two say Trump was his daddy and hug him live on TV and still all these kind of hip-hop alumni people people that you would think would be a lot more kind of rah-rah with their politics and Black Lives Matter and whatnot they were so fast to jump back on that album again when it was kind of album time and recording and going back with him in the recording studio or sorry in that stadium whatever he did like It was really bizarre, but it also kind of was a clear indication that Kanye can do no wrong in some people's eyes. He's legitimately untouchable. And I guess if you're somebody who's kind of on the wrong end of that sort of stuff, it can be a little bit aggregating. Do you know what I mean? to kind of see that from afar that he's treating people with such lack of respect but they just keep running back and back and again and again and again and Cuddy's another example too because if he was cool he wouldn't have mentioned any of this stuff right so the fact that he's only mentioning it now because they're not cool publicly because Kanye basically said we're not friends anymore you know isn't really that commendable but I still understand where he's coming from because it does feel like Kanye does get away with absolute murder within his friendship group like absolute murder like he can literally do no wrong uh, which is pretty pretty insane um he continues here. Uh he says he addresses West directly, he says, I'm not one of your kids, which is <laughs> one of them. I'm not Kim, which again is a I think a backhanded insult to her. It doesn't matter if I'm friends with Pete or not friends with Pete. None of this shit had anything to do with me. If you can't be a grown man and deal with the fact that you've lost your woman, that's not my fucking problem. You need to own up to shit like every man in his life has. I've lost women. I've lost women too. And I've had to own up to it. I don't need that in my life. I don't need it. And that's very, very true because... Apart from how funny the whole affair was between Kim and Kanye and Pete Davidson and the whole banter behind it and the memes and the music videos we got, the way Kanye acted was pretty disgusting, if we're being completely honest, right? Basically wishing that man death, killing him in the music video, the flipping. New York the fake New York Times cover the constant you know probing and harassment and Mickey taking online all this sort of stuff was really really bad if we're thinking about it I know you know both sides played the game Kim did plant some stories Pete Davidson's camp did some stuff too he'd release the screenshots or whatnot. his friend did whatever may happen you know they were all kind of you know um, to blame for that whole affair but the way he went on as well was so bizarre like it's as if like he's never ever been told no before maybe that was what happened maybe that was finally somebody in a very public way somebody that he had kids with i think amber rose maybe didn't count because you know they were just dating but because they had four kids together he maybe thought he had ownership over kim forever and the fact that she decided now enough's enough i'm not taking this shit anymore even though he'd done so much for her career and she'd done so much for him you know what i mean you just feel like sometimes i guess as a guy you just feel as if like you just take someone for granted sometimes. You feel as if, yeah, she's super in love with me. I'm not really that in love with her. Then one day you wake up and she's not at home anymore. And I don't think he ever really kind of thought that would happen. And he just reacted in such a weird way, especially for like, a, how old is Kanye? 44, 45, 47. He's a grown ass man to be acting that way. So it was pretty insane to him to be like, you know, if you're Pete's friend, you're dead to me. <laughs> it's like, bro, we're not 21. We're not 90. Cause th- th- those things happen when you're really young, right? When you kind of fall out with somebody but then your other friends are friends with them too and deep down you feel like why are you still talking to them if I don't like them you should not be their friends either but then you also don't want to say it out loud because it kind of makes you look like you're in your feelings so you just keep it yourself then you blow up one time do you know what I mean like, well, you have those kind of things happen but then when you feel a grown up person you don't care if your friends continue being friends with your ex because you gives a shit. You know what I mean, they're adults. Maybe they met her before they met you, whatever. Or maybe they just got a friendship now that you know they don't want to break just because you've you know decided to break up with you, whatever it may be. I don't know. But the way Kanye had to do it was very, very strange, very bizarre. But again, I do kind of commend Cuddy for "quote unquote" standing up to him. He does continue. He says, yeah, Cuddy's is also bothered by the idea that people credit his success to someone other than him and his original team of producers, Patrick playing Pat Reynolds. Oladipo Omishur, also known as Dr. Genius, and Emil Haney, he says, he was hesitant to sign to good music. His fear manifested when West released AOA's hung Outbreaks, and you heard Cuddy's haunting vocals on the second track and his songwriting throughout, playing he what he felt was a critical role when he had yet to release his debut album. Cuddy's a little stuck here. He was a young rapper who emerged in the shadows of a superstar. Okay, cool. So he might have felt like AOAs and heartbreak came off the back of him having sessions with Kanye. And maybe, you know, he felt maybe that was a bit of a rip off. Okay, I never, I, knew, I never even looked at it that way, to be completely fair. He says, he continues here. I just want to clear up what, I just want to clear, I just want to clear, I just want to clear that up for anybody that feels like Kanye made my career or made me who I am he brought me to do he brought me on to do AOA's a and Heartbreak I thought that was a really fucking awesome I wanted to be part of the family and saw good music as an opportunity so I finally said yeah Kanye did not come and pluck me out of Applebee's or Bape store okay cool that's the narrative okay because I'm only working at Bape store there's a lot talk of Kanye for someone who didn't want to discuss him Kanye says the difference is that he's speaking about it on his own terms if there's an olive branch in the future there's somewhere lost in the woods Kanye continues with all due respect I'm not Drake who's about to take a picture with him next week and be friends again. Their beef is squashed. That's not me. (laughs) So that means the beef with Cudi is still stuck in it. It's still up and stuck there, basically, what you basically say. Him and Drake are not friends because obviously they went through what they went through and basically Drake ended him. I forgot what he ended him with. Was it a diss? Was it a record? Was it a line about mental health? I forgot what it was. But basically, he's, he's, he's basically telling you very clearly that you know he's never gonna be friends with drake essentially by proxy again there's loads of uh there's loads of uh there's loads of people catching strays here kim caught a stray drake is catching a stray Mad, isn't it kim Kanye's kids are catching strays he continues says and why i say um that's not me What i say i mean i will be done with you when i'll be done with you it's not gonna, it's gonna take a motherfucking miracle for me and that man to be friends again i don't see it happening he's gonna have to become a monk since this is Yay, we're talking about I consider it unlikely but impossible In a twist of fate Cardi replaced West as a headliner For this year's Rolling Loud But a few countergurts tossed uh, objects at him He threatened to walk off stage and it occurred Truthy's word dropped the mic and left Ye Miwa made a surprise with Dirk's set Did he mention that? Cudi has decided to let go Of most of the adult thing he can do The twisted thing is I still love him See, Cuddy Honestly, Kanye man kanye is at the the fucking... What's he? He's, he is the archetypal description of what's he call it? What's that thing called? Um, when you what's that term? Where the victims always come back to the flipping abuser, of course. But that's he basically that guy. He says here yeah, it continues. It's just the thing is that I, is that I love him. But I love you so much that I can kick you in the in the kick the I can kick you the fuck out of my life and be done with your ass, cause you're not good for me. He says, closing his sentiment with an affirmation popularized by the great turn of century philosopher Samantha Jones. I love myself more. I love myself more. Kid repeats this in a mantra, still addressing his former friend. I, do, I didn't it, it, I didn't love myself all them years you knew me. I love myself more, bro. I love I love myself way more. <laughs> kind of touching. I'm not going to lie, but again. It's too emotional It's too wet And too moist for Kanye He's going to see As an opportunity To maybe You know Put the boot in a bit more But Essentially The article itself Is pretty sick Um, If you're a fan of Kanye I really recommend Check it out There's some great pictures On there He obviously takes great pictures He obviously looks great in clothes What are those glasses by? They're by Gucci Those glasses look Fucking phenomenal Um, His hair's always on point always got the sickest hair i feel like it's very underrated in terms of haircuts especially when it comes to the coloring stuff the grills the accessories um this picture of him naked is pretty hilarious as well with the sock covering his willy but i wouldn't say i think the entire article is absolutely fantastic check it out if you haven't already really cool article um kid cuddy Esquire. the headline is kid cuddy is all right check it out if you haven't already Next on the list we have to talk about here is the recent development or what recent happened maybe a few days ago concerning The Breakfast Club, the very, very popular show um, that most of you probably watch on YouTube. I know I don't listen to it on radio because obviously I'm not in the States, but a big development happened over the last couple of days. Angela Yee, one of the main free co-hosts of the show, has decided to leave um, and kind of, you know, seek out her own thing and do her own show. Under obviously the same iHeart Media kind of banner or iHeart Radio, sorry, uh, banner, but you know, no longer part of the Breakfast Club, which is really interesting because essentially this is the end of the original kind of lineup, the lineup of co hosts that were so influential and such an integral part of the hip hop culture, especially when they come to interviews. They had so many legendary moments. The first one that obviously springs to mind is Soldier Boy, um, recently with the whole Drake, Drake thing. Um, obviously, there's um, the Ray J interview was he screaming? and calling on phone high of coke ranting about fabulous and stuff and saying he's got booty goons that are gonna molest him there's so many other legendary ones obviously there's a the Birdman one when he kind of tries to step to the breakfast club Frederick Starr step into breakfast club uh, Beanie Siegel step into breakfast club um, Kodak Black's first interview with his banaclava on um, who else I'm thinking about Chief Keith when he's like 16 and says now nah, I'm free Hannah like many many legendary interviews that took place in that flipping radio show right and to be fair, you would never really imagine that they would kind of break up, especially considering, Given no, especially when you think about other radio co-hosts on other stations like Hot 97 and whatnot and Power and whatever else it may be, uh, all the other ones on the West Coast. It feels like when you get into radio you get into the music industry in general, people rarely, if ever, leave their jobs because those jobs are so cushy, right? Essentially, if you're an A&R person or you work in marketing at a record label, you essentially get paid to do pretty much not really much right for the most part or you're not the best at your job and you get paid a pretty decent salary to basically sit around and pretend like you're working act cool kid faces go to media events drink lots of free champagne and whatnot and hang out and radio shows are probably the same it, even though you have to work you know especially when you've got a morning show you have to wake up at silly hours you get used to that routine and schedule and it becomes easier the more you do it and then, you know, especially getting interviews and stuff, the more popular you get, the more people want to start coming to you instead of you actually reaching out to them. Um, it allows you to do other things in your career, like launching podcasts and media platforms and doing speaking gigs, all because people like how you carry yourself on radio you become extremely viral especially in the case of Charlemagne you build your own entire presence off the, off the back of that you know your social media starts popping it becomes a really good platform but essentially you rarely if ever especially look at the think of the co-host right maybe let's say the most busiest person is maybe Charlemagne despite all these numerous products, he's, projects sorry, he's got going on he has never once really indicated that he was serious about leaving the breakfast club there was maybe the contract negotiations and is he going to sign this and that but you never really got the impression that he was ever seriously ever going to leave and I would imagine the reason why is because the money is so good right if you're getting paid like a million or maybe half a million a year salaried on top of whatever else you're getting um or or, you know on top of what else you, yeah basically not even including what else you're ever getting on side of that which is including podcasts like I said speaking gigs and whatnot consulting fees like that money is long so I completely understand why they never give it up so part of me thinks even though Angeli Part of me thinks this has to this, there's more to this than me. See I. on paper, they're saying, Yeah, Angela got an opportunity she couldn't turn down her own show. But per, me personally, I think if there's one person that could leave the show and the show still survive, was Angela I think if DJ Envy left the show and it was just Solomon and Angela, it wouldn't work right. But I think if Angela, Angela Yee leaves the Breakfast Club, I think she's easily replaceable because she's not the greatest I think radio personality she's not very compelling um, even her own show lip service a lot of people would say her co host basically carry that show she's not really that integral to it it, it could easily survive with the other girls that do it and the show's a bit tired as a as a kind of platform anyway people going on there and just being really freaky and talking about stuff to you up to a, you know in a bedroom and whatnot. people don't really give a shit about that thing anymore because if you just want to talk about it, you talk about it on your own platform it's not really that engaging to have it as a radio show or as a podcast so that's not really something I'm really sold by and just in general I never really thought she was that talented when it comes to being on radio but one thing that you can't really one thing you can't really hold against a woman is that the fact that she's hustled really hard for someone that I think isn't that that talented to have been in a position that she's had had that job for that long, and been such a mainstay in hip hop. It does say a lot about how hard she works and you know her tenacity, her networking skills, her persistence. Bloody blah, blah blah blah. But part of me thinks the reason why she left the show was because of this beef that she had with Charlamagne, which a lot of people are crediting with the beef that she had with Gucci Mane the Gucci Mane basically accused Angelie of trying to basically slide in her DMs or proposition him for sex I don't know whatever Gucci Mane and Angelie had some sort of spat and then soon after that spat which I think Angelie got disrespected by because she felt like Gucci Mane kind of called her out on her name um, Charmaine the God then goes and interviews him and he then doubles down and basically says crazy shit about fucking Angelie I think in the same interview he even said he threatened to slap DJ Mv like he was going for it And then, of course, she basically felt like, you know, he didn't have her back. And I think that was her realisation that her colleagues weren't her friends. I think, and then ever since then, they were never really cool. I think for the longest time, they never really spoke on camera. I think if you notice some of those shows after that Gucci interview, there was no real interaction between the both of them. Like Charlamagne spoke, DJ Envy spoke, Anjali spoke, but they were never speaking between each other. Charlamagne and Angeli. then they then I think they reconciled and kind of got back on speaking terms, but maybe by then the damage was already done. Maybe she then started to hate him as a guy, as a person, whatever it may be, and it just maybe never recovered. And if you're going to a radio show like that, and you know Envy goes on holiday, or he has a break, or he's got other engagements he has to go to, and it's just used to doing the show for like a week, it's gonna get a bit long if you don't like your colleague. Uh, you don't need to be friends With your colleagues they don't need to be You know you don't, you don't have to invite them To your wedding But you have to be At least cordial To the point where If you see their back As you're walking Into the office You're not like Oh fucking hell You can't always be like that With your colleagues It's not going to last long Trust me I've done it myself it's, It doesn't last that long So um Maybe that had to do with it, the, the whole entire thing, because like I said before, there are many other radio hosts out there, even someone like an Ibra, who I'm not a fan of, who got who wear many different hats outside of radio, who never, ever, ever, ever quit their main gig. They always stay at their main gig. So if they can stay at their main gig and work on, you know, be an integral part of Apple Music and still host a show on radio in Hot 97, then Anjali could have easily juggled doing both shows in the same building. Do you know what I mean? So the fact that she decided to move goes to show that maybe there's something going behind behind the scenes or maybe just the money was too good maybe they're paying her double what she's getting paid at breakfast club so why would you pay why would you stay somewhere to get less than what you're getting paid to do to get the promotion i mean maybe this is a pure monetary thing but you know it's a the era's over again it's probably not gonna be missed because I feel like in the last few years Breakfast Cup has kind of fallen off in a major way I don't really think they affect culture in a way they used to do in the past I don't think people artists in general have many moments on there that people really care about um, I don't think major artists actually care to go on there anymore as much as they probably would do in the past um, I don't think interviews and radio and all that sort of stuff is integral to people's press runs anymore uh, even Megan Stallion did some weird thing where she did like an interview with like Ndeska and Ebro. People, artists now approach interviews for album rollers very differently. It's not all just all going on radio. Now people are doing podcast runs. Now people are going on YouTube channels. Like it's a very different world in terms of promoting yourself. So maybe, and you know, Angela, you saw the writing on the wall and saw the Breakfast Club's influence on culture waning and just thought it's a dip. But I don't think so. I think there's too much money involved in that sort of stuff with sponsorship. Just look at the picture I've got on the screen there with them all three standing in front of an iHeart, um, you know, I guess it's iHeart Award, I Awards with like all the balls sponsoring it. Those radio shows, you know, I don't listen to them, I don't, cause it's probably because I don't have a car, but they make a lot of money, man. They generate a lot of money. They pay their staff a lot, especially their, on their talent. So if that's the case, and she's bouncing then, I don't know, there may be more to it, but who knows. Regardless, um, Godspeed to Angela you hopefully that show pops off and does what it needs to do. But again, I'm just not really that sure she's really strong enough as an individual to carry a show on her own because she's a little bit boring. But again, that's just me. <clears throat> Next on the show, I want to talk about this unfortunate news concerning um, Young Fug. So this is obviously in connection with him being um, taken down on a Rico and him being in jail now being denied bond, being denied, you know, bail and essentially um, all this news that's being leaked out off the back of it is that he has been essentially being blamed and charged for various murders that happened in Atlanta because they're basically saying he was the head of YSL and he basically was the one that, you know, um, was the one that gave the green light to some hits that happened in the city and obviously the DA is basically blaming YSL at large for many many violence acts that happened there and I feel like they played a big part in it. she's trying to sweep up the streets and obviously make herself look good she then wants to go and you know run for a bigger job or whatnot so it's a really unfortunate occurrence for him in general and it's also unfortunate when you look at the leaks that have come out and the fact that they've been monitoring guys these guys since like what 2015 or so no 2015 2005 or something stupid like that it's absolutely crazy so they basically stood no chance unless they really tried to reform themselves you know basically um but off the back of the leaks um we've got this news right young fuck has been sued for 150,000 over a cancelled concert following his arrest so you know if you thought it was gonna get worse you know it didn't get worse off the back of that so you're already facing mounting legal fees having to defend yourself and whatnot and now you're being fined 150 grand because you didn't turn up to a show because obviously you got arrested and then off the back of that, the most disturbing news, the saddest news about it, is definitely the leaks that have come out concerning the snitch that's involved with YSL. In f- in theory, sorry, in um, what do you call it, uh, let me pause the video and I'll play the actual clip from the news article, uh, just to kind of round it up. Essentially, what happened a few weeks ago, it felt like somebody on a blog. I think it might have been Gossip of the City, got a hold of a statement. It looked like really kind of crinkled, really zoomed out. You couldn't really see the letters too tough. But if you did kind of squint and read it, you could kind of make out who the identity of the snitch was that was involved in the case. And effectively when that when that kind of document leaked, most of the YSL fans and Young Fuck fans that I kind of see online and, and you know and kinda of fan pages kinda of lost hope because essentially pointed to somebody deep within YSL essentially pointing the finger at Young Fug for basically giving the green light on them allegedly killing one of their rival gang members and whatnot. And it's really unfortunate the story because according to the documents that were leaked the guy who is accused of snitching the reason why it happened was because originally he was getting jacked um in a club somewhere he was getting beaten up and robbed to the point where he might have possibly died he manages to escape and then off the back of that um young Fug, you know kind of want to wrap want rides out for his guy and decides to you know put a hit on one of the people involved the person then gets shot and killed and then off the back of that that's where the back and forth started between you know one rival gang and obviously YSL um, to the point where we're here now and then many years later that same guy who basically you know young Fug and his crew stood up for is the same person that then goes and snitches on them it's really unfortunate again I'm sure he's not the only person I'm sure there are many more people involved in it because it's such a wide wide wide-ranging far-reaching Rico but it must be so annoying if you're in a gang because it feels like to me you know obviously gang life isn't something you should maybe aspire to but you know criminals killing criminals people being in gangs feeling other gang members it really doesn't bother me too tough especially if it doesn't involve any innocent people right if you just keep it within gang stuff then do what you need to do but a part of me is really must be a part of me thinks you must be really annoying if you're in a gang because you know more than likely police don't figure out shit, right? Police are really shit at figuring out crimes because it's pretty difficult to find out and figure out who did what, right? Unless they're sloppy and leave loads of evidence and stuff. It's pretty difficult to figure out who did what, especially when it comes to gangs, especially you know, because you know, they have this culture of no snitching or whatnot. So the only way You can effectively Convict people And you can make sure They kind of Are punished for their crimes Is if somebody snitches You need to count on somebody Within the gang Who's willing to go Against the code That he's sworn by Um to kind of save his own skin essentially you kind of need to hope that happens and if that happens then maybe you've got a chance of convicting somebody but without that there's no chance of convicting them you you think there's not like how else would they be able to prove what happened happened do you know what I mean because that's essentially what they have to prove they have to prove it happened without any, without, without any reasonable doubt and unless you've got a snitch or a witness that can point it out then you're basically fucked if you're a police officer so again if you're a gang member it must be really annoying because you have no idea who in your gang is susceptible to do that You could do, you know, a million ride-outs, you could do a million scores, whatever it may be, and you never know who in your gang would be the one to turn around and snitch on you because you're all going to be around each other, you're going to be seeing, you're going to be doing stuff around each other, incriminate each other in some way, shape or form, hoping that it protects you, but it also can hurt you because they've seen everything you've done, they've been privy to your conversations, they've been in your presence, blah, 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 blah. It's just really, really unfortunate. But anyway... This article or this video clip courtesy of the InfoSpot Basically covers it in a major. Basically covers it in a way better way than I would. So I'm gonna play it now. It's courtesy of a station called TV and the caption says: Fulton County DA claims leaked documents led to threats against the cooperating YSL associate, his family, and YSL Rico case involving young fuck Oh, and by the way, if you haven't already, please check out 1090 Jake. This is where I get my info from. He broke it down really well the whole affair, and he basically names the people involved in one. So if you want to check out the whole affair concerning YSL and the Rico charge. And obviously this leaked document and who's involved and who the snitches and whatnot check out a guy on youtube called 1090 jake that's 1090 jake and he's got a channel on there and it's probably the latest one with millions of views hopefully on there it's really really good but anyway, let's play this clip attorney says gang sympathizers are threatening the life of a witness in the criminal case against rapper young thug and 27 other alleged gang members and not just the witness but the family Two. And Channel 2 investigative reporter Mark Winnie, uh, live now at the Fulton County Courthouse, covering this. Mark, the DA says someone leaked the identities of that witness.
1: And we obtained a motion where the prosecution is asking a judge to take action. The DA and Young Thugs attorney probably disagree about it a lot in this case. But if this happened, they seem on the same page. It should not have. It's bad. This is putting people at risk and is poisoning the jury pool. Please stop immediately. YSL enthusiasts and or actual gang members are threatening someone they believe is cooperating with the state. And not only that person, but their very small children. Fulton County District Attorney
0: Fonnie Willis says discovery in legal terms is material. One side turns over to another after an indictment to level the playing field before trial. And in the YSL gang racketeering case in which Jeffrey Williams, better known as the megastar rapper Young Thug, just to pause it there, there's a video clip here of a Young Thug being arrested, right? When he gets over the famous clip that everyone saw when he gets arrested outside of his um, mansion. And I guess we should have known. If you're somebody that's a football fan that watches much football and, you know, somebody um, scores a goal that shouldn't have went in or gets away with a foul, usually you can tell from their face, right? They've got a kind of. Um, dejected, sort of somber, oops, I got away with this sort of face. You can usually tell what way it kind of should have went. And I guess we should have basically known as fans of YSL, as viewers, as just, you know, whatever people on the outside, we should have maybe had an indication that he was guilty of the crimes he has been accused of, because this is the face of somebody who kind of knew his day in court would come. Maybe the fact that YSL, you know, young fuck is so stoic sometimes and so creepily calm maybe this was because he always knew in the back of his mind that his day in court would come he would have to face up for his crimes he was willing to live that life and be the kind of mafioso wherever he was and do what he needed to be done because he was living that street life but deep down he always knew this day was going to come and this is the face of somebody that kind of is acknowledging and accepting and understanding that yep this is over this is done for me it's a wrap um because he looks so dejected here but doesn't he looks kind of dejected but also kind of um Serene in a weird way, you know. Like he doesn't really look like, like it's it's the opposite of what happened to Ghana. Ghana like looked like in general, like they kind of pulled him off of a fashion runway do you know what i mean he didn't know what was going on how could i be the one arrested i didn't do nothing i mean he clearly looked at somebody that is not involved that heavy but young folk definitely looked at somebody that was okay i was involved damn they got me it is what it is kind of thing the same sort of stance and face you see from when they pick up other guys for like drug trafficking like big gang leaders or smugglers and stuff they're never usually crying they never look super upset they just kind of got a really stern Almost dead. Pound look to their face. They're just walking. You know I mean, because it is what it is. It's a life I live, and I know I'm either going to end up dead or I'm going to end up in prison. Do you know what I mean? You kind of accept that when you live that kind of life, but you're willing to take the risk on because the rewards are so plentiful. Is the best known of more than two dozen defendants. The DA's office has discovered a discovery document and part of a cooperating witness's statement made it onto social media, and the life of that witness, a cooperating YSL associate. And that witness's children are in jeopardy as a result. And the funny thing is, if you actually listen to the case on, I'm not going to play the whole thing, but if you actually check out the clip, of 1090 Jake on his channel, he actually mentions a lot about the kids and stuff. And I think the fact that the person who's alleged to snitch was, um, was basically the victim of many attempts at his life, basically, right? Because I'm assuming he was maybe one of the main shooters in YSL prior to the whole snitching thing, or he had a heavy rep on the streets, wherever wherever it may be. For For whatever reason, he was, you know, there were attempts at his life were quite plentiful. I think there was maybe up to four attempts at his life, right? Two maybe before the whole thing went down and two after. And maybe part of the reason why he actually ended up snitching in the first place is because he has young kids and, every time it happened, it seemed to happen around the time that he was with his kids. Like, you know, they went to court, he was catching slipping. So when he's trying to put his kids in his car to go and take them to a family member's house to go and hang out, he gets, his house gets sprayed and shit. Like crazy kind of movie stuff, movie, movie scenes things. So it's funny and really kind of bleak that the thing that made him want to snitch is also happening again because he snitched, right? He went to snitch maybe because to help and save his family and allow him to be out to see them grow up and whatnot and whatever it may be. You know how gang members are, they finally get conscious and figure out, oh, maybe I shouldn't be in a gang when I have children and shit. Oh, and then the same thing that he's doing it for is also now causing his family to be in complete distress to the point where maybe he can't even live with them in the same place when he does get released. I mean, they might have to assume a new identity, get put in a different place. It's an absolutely crazy situation overall, but it also is kind of bleak because, you know, generally now we know for sure Young Fug is not leaving prison anytime soon. If he does get out, it'll be an absolute miracle. He'll have the best judges. So he'll have the best lawyers in the absolute world if he does manage to kind of slip out of the back of this. But given that you know this guy was one of the main members of YSL at the time and he's basically pointing the finger and saying yeah he did it he's not going anywhere no time soon and again it goes to show how irresponsible these irresponsible these blogs are for uploading and publishing that kind of document man with all the names on it because it essentially got people to go and dig deep and find the other things and you know grease some palms and whatnot and uh, I don't know these blogs are very reckless when it comes to sort of stuff in it but I guess in some cases Or form, some people just don't care about this sort of stuff and then they feel like everything is fair game. But if a kid died off the back of that, imagine how bad you feel if you're a blog and you kind of got a hold of it illegally and then you uploaded it just because, like, imagine how bad you would have thought if a family member died off the back of that. Obviously, it's not all your fault because, you know, these guys live this life and, you know, they essentially put their family in danger in the first place, but still, you don't want to play a part in it. I mean, it's one thing reporting it, but it's one thing not kind of playing your part in it and actually calling the shots and shit. That's not cool. I don't like that. But hey, what do I know? Moving on. More news concerning Manchester United. So it's been a pretty hectic couple of days for us United fans. I think ever since the Brentford loss, I think, yeah, you know, I think it is as United thing. I think most of us, I think most of us who have sense, were saying from a very long time ago that clubs like Brighton, you know, what Wolves, um, who else? Conte, Conte Spurs, and he got there. Arsenal, you know, under the flipping, um, what's his name? Uh, Arteta. Quite a few teams in the league. I think a lot of fans were saying that these teams play better football than Man United and I think that was a common thing I remember people saying even under oligon and Solskjaer's tenure right these teams play far better football Man, we're meant to be the big bad Man United we're meant to have all these good players and it was sort of like an indictment on how badly run we were that these clubs that are much smaller than us with far less resources were able to put together a coherent squad playing attractive football and put on a show for their fans right and we couldn't even muster that we were sometimes scraping our way to like Champions League finishes and decent europa europa league runs but it wasn't entertaining it really didn't actually bring joy to your heart or anything along those kinds it just felt like a drab exercise and for the longest time it felt like we weren't really being punished with results either we were kind of scraping by um here and there but then it felt like last season it finally co with us those last 20 or so games last season were brutal to watch and then it's kind of carried over to this season but i still think a lot of people felt The first game of the season against Brighton, that's kind of a write-off because Brighton are a good team and they obviously got a decent manager. They've obviously been playing together for a long time, blah, blah, blah. But then when we face Brentford, a team that I don't think any of us would have thought we would have lost to, not in that manner. I think the way that we lost in terms of a very humbling 4-0 and it could have easily been more if Brentford were actually on it and weren't worried about making sure they win and and kind of wanting to score more goals, they could have easily scored more goals. We weren't going to score anytime soon. And the fact that we were beating convincingly, like they beat us convincingly, easily, Brentford did, um, I felt like it woke a lot of people up because you finally saw that despite all those glitzy names we have on our team sheet and despite how heavy that badge is and despite our history, at the current moment, under the Glazer ownerships, under the Glazer ownership, sorry, United are far, far, far away from competing for any trophy, let alone a league, where many, many years, for as long for as... Long as I would say personally for me, for as long as it took us to get in the position that we're in now, 10 years, it's going to take us the same amount of time to get out of it. I don't see a league title in this club's future within the next 10 years. Impossible. Football doesn't work that way You don't immediately Just get to rectify Your issues with money Especially not in a league like, in, like the Maybe in other leagues Maybe not in the Premier League Especially not in Europe Because in Europe Everyone's got money In the Premier League Everyone's got money too To the point where Some teams are able to Keep a hold of some Of their best players Do you know what I mean Villa sold fucking Jack Grealish to Main City for 100 million For goodness sake Do you know what I mean Big smallest clubs can but if they want to sell their top talent, but also get top tier money for them and then go out and buy loads of great internationals to kind of um, fill in those holes and whatnot. So, those the days of Man M- United and other big teams bullying the league is completely over. So, I feel like the Glazers have effectively put us in a position that we're basically going to be suffering for for the next 10 years. But it's also been a great wake-up call I feel like, for, so, for some fans because I think some of them are finally working up to the fact that it's not the managers, it's not the players, it is the ownership. It always starts from above. And the fact that there are there is no accountability, no structure, no overall vision, no competency in the jobs that people are doing, it basically trickles down into the club. And it's no surprise that all the decent players that have actual futures and want to win things run a mile from the club. And the players just want to collect a check and don't mind hanging out and just kind of rinsing the club for what it is stay like the Luke Shaw's like the Phil Jones or whatever it may be, right? Even David De Gea to a certain extent. They just hang around because it's a cushy place to be. You're not gonna really get punished for anything. You're always gonna have a chance to play every season. Um it's never your fault. It's always the manager's fault. The club the the fans always turn on the fucking managers before they always, they ever turn on the fans and they will get away with murder. But in general the glazers are always to blame. If we if we don't get rid of the Glazers, I don't ever see United ever being a competent force in the Premier League, let alone in Europe. And like I said, if the Glazers don't go, we are not winning another trophy again under their ownership. It's just never going to happen. There are too many well-run clubs within the league, within Europe, who are doing things the right way for us to slip in there and win one by fluke. And also, they, they don't deserve it. They don't deserve that luck because if they did get one, it would justify how rotten they kind of run the club. But anyway, we lost to Brentford. I think what people's eyes are up to see the issue was far larger than managers and players and transfers and people started to look above. And obviously people trying to put pressure on the Glazers and trying to make them to sell. Which I don't think is actually going to work. I think if they want to sell, they will sell off their own accord. The and Obviously, off the back of that, Elon Musk decided to kind of troll us United fans and tweet out of nowhere that he went to buy the club. But then obviously he updated it and said the next day that he went, you know, he was just a joke and he was falling around. But a lot of people, especially when I was in Twitter spaces, were saying that there's no smoke without fire. And the fact that Elon Musk would even joke about something like this was definitely an indication that people behind the scenes who maybe were acting on behalf of the Glazers, who are maybe trying to find a buyer. You know, if you're if you're acting on behalf of the Glazers and you want to try and find an adequate buyer, you would, you know, roll out your Rolodex and contact the people who have the most money in the world. And obviously Elon must be one of them. So it's only natural somebody that has as much money he does would get us with that may might be for sale and obviously throw that joke out there, not think anything of it, and then it turn into a big shitstorm and then he has to clarify that he's not actually going to buy it. But now at the back of that, The good news to come out of that, even though I'm disappointed that Elon Musk isn't buying us because I'd love him to own the club. The other thing that come out of the back of it is that it's clear now that there is either a minority or a majority stake in the club available. So basically the club is for sale in some way, shape or form. I don't think anyone sensible that has money would be willing to buy the club um, and have shares that they couldn't you know, shares that mean they couldn't actually do anything in terms of changing the club structure and whatnot and implementing changes. Why would you want to do that and just give the glazers money? You'd obviously want to invest in the club only if you could actually make the changes you need and have your head your name on a masthead or whatnot. And obviously people like Jim Ratcliffe, Sir Jim Ratcliffe, sorry, a billionaire who's obviously a lifelong United fan, he's also willing to throw his hat in the ring as well concerning the uh, um buying the glazers out of their ownership. But In general, the good news to come out of this from other news sources is that for sure United is for sale. The Glazers are planning to sell the club and some people are even speculating that we could have the sale done before the end of the season. Now for fans of United, it's a bit bleak because what this does mean is that all of everything that we've been hearing in the transfer window concerning the players we want to sign. Recently, I heard Casemiro's name mentioned. I heard press going live about a, re, a kind of reactivation bid for Anthony. We've got the long drawn-out fair with um, Frankie de Jong. Um, we've got us signing the other striker, I think, from Red Bull Salzburg or whatever it may be. Many, many names linked to the club. But what it looks like now is that more than likely, I think I tweeted this earlier, it looks like this was always the Glazer's plan. The Glazer's plan was always to, you know, rinse the club dry, remove and take out as much kind of riches as they can from the club in terms of the dividends and all the other things they took out from the club, like salaries and whatnot, to the point where they would never invest their own money into the club. It was only profits of the club made, right? Absolutely insane. And even the profits was only kind of a small amount of what we actually make as a club. Um, and it was always going to lead to this point they're always going to bleed the cut dry and then because the club has got such cachet around the world because it generates so much money despite us not being successful on the pitch and being really poorly run and the atmosphere around the club being horrible and toxic and whatever it may be there's still going to be a queue an absolute queue maybe a stampede of buyers around the world who would want to have uh, a piece of Manchester United and buy into this history and potentially be our new owners there's going to be a queue of them so maybe the Glazers knew this all along it didn't matter how poorly they ran the club how badly they damaged it in the end there'll be a few people willing to buy them out for far more than they purchased the club when they originally bought it in what was it 2003 uh i forgot when it was i forgot 2003 i forgot when they actually signed when they actually bought the club but it, it doesn't matter it was a long time ago um And that's a good thing. But of course, like I said, if you're a United fan, what this does is that it says to you that most likely if they're going to sell the club, they're not going to invest any money into it because they haven't before. So that's the case. You're essentially going to have to write off this season and hope that we just don't get relegated. That's all we have to do. We've already started the season off really badly with two losses against two teams we shouldn't be losing against. Whether it's home or away, it doesn't matter. We shouldn't be losing to those two teams. They're tricky games to play, don't get me wrong, but we shouldn't be losing those two opening teams, those two opening games, especially considering the manager we have in charge, the players we have in our, you know, in our squad, the type of football we want to play, how badly last season ended. We should be trying to win those type of games, especially in style. But if you are a United fan, you're going to have to accept the fact that if the Glazers are going to sell, they're not going to invest in a club because why would they? We're going to have to ride out the season with exactly the players that we have available now, with maybe the addition of maybe I'd say max two signings might come in before the end of the transfer window, but I'm still skeptical about that. Maybe some loan signings, who knows? But I'm not really sca- I'm not really confident that the big glitzy names people are mentioning, that the Casemiras and Frankie De Youngs and Antony's are going to suddenly arrive now. You know, within what however many days the transfer window is going to close, it makes no sense. If they would have been here They would have been here already So you're going to have to accept that And I think I'm okay with that Because I think I've long said For the longest time I would be happy with us Getting relegated If we meant Getting rid of the Glazers I think I've even gone as far as saying At our pump When we kept finishing top four I said I'd take Consecutive seasons Not finishing in the top four Because it meant that You know back then they felt like the Glazers only really reacted whenever we didn't finish the top four. They would only kind of, you know, start deciding to spend some money or, you know, look like they want to do things, get someone to come out and put out a story that they changed in the structure, blah, 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 blah. But essentially, this is what it's going to mean this season. It's a write-off season. Um, the club were never serious about rebuilding this summer. They essentially, you know, basically gave, they basically made loads of empty promises to Ten Hag. Ralph Ragnick has now been proved right. Eric Tan came in a bit bullish and tried to separate himself from Ralph Ragnar and say I'm not that guy. We don't need 10 players. He's out of, the, he's out of his mind kind of thing. And, you know, these guys finished second before, all this nonsense. And now he's basically seeing that, no, these players are damaged goods. He needs to get rid of every single one of them and start again. And essentially the, the verdict that Ralph Ragnick had about basically starting all over again was always true. And um, he's been proven right. And I just hope now going forward, we just get a competent owners in who are able to put in a decent structure, have actual football people involved, and we can slowly but surely get to the place that we need to get to. But this season looks like it's going to be a write-off. Definitely going to be a write-off. And it's going to be brutal to watch as a fan because, you know, the, the, the players already look like they're over the season. They wanted to end before it's already started. So I can't imagine it's going to get any better going forward. But hey, what can you do? next on this year is news first year of ra concerning london's fabric one of my favorite clubs a club that i actually didn't pay much attention to prior to getting some guestless spots here and there and being able to go for the first time during the pandemic or when the pandemic ended i suddenly started to kind of like the place again um which is ironic because it means i only really like it when fucking trendy people help me to go and get me guestless but that's not the point the point is. It's definitely one of our better clubs. It definitely has one of our better lineups. And I just think in terms of what they do in terms of an offering, in terms of the space, the fact, the fact that they've got loads of chill-out spaces, they've got a decent dance floor, great sound system, bloody blah, blah 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 And obviously, connection for me is easier to get to because there's just one bus from where I live to go there. All that stuff really makes it easy and a great place to go and party and have a good time. So I'm a real big fan of Fabric, real big fan of Fabric. Now, this 23rd birthday that they're having on October – the lineup just is a little bit underwhelming, I have to be honest. It's good in terms of a a kind of a... It's good in terms of it showing the progression of fabric. Like, clearly, they're trying to... Um, they're trying to appeal to a broader hip market. You'd say maybe a more a market of nowadays and not kind of the old farts who maybe did populate that space back in the days. But it is still a little bit underwhelming for me. And I guess that's kind of the the risk and the balance and the difficulty of event planning and booking for a club like that. You, at one time, you also want to make sure you book in the likes of Ricardo Villalobos because you know, those are kind of your bedrock people, but you also want to make sure all the trendy kids that everyone kind of likes nowadays are also being kind of, um, Accommodated because you want to make sure people that like Af- Af- Afro Deutsch, people that like VTS, people that like Jess would also be willing to come down. But I don't really know that Come that makes for like a good lineup to go and see people. It makes for an interesting lineup, but I don't think it's a good one. But anyway, it says this following London Fabric reveals plans for the 23rd birthday in October. It says Fabric is celebrating his 23rd birthday in October the 15th through the 17th. The first 20 names, which has been confirmed for the 30-hour party, which again don't take for granted because we rarely, rarely rarely have 30 hour parties that they do in Berlin, which I've just been there Um it's a standard thing there. You know, the bar I went to, same heads. They had a party on until like 8 a.m. which is just like a it's the equivalent of like the alibi here, R.I.P. that used to exist here in Dawson. Um it's just a basic basement bar which are pretty decent music they've created great djs there and it's a really kind of eclectic looking and shit but that was open until 8 a.m and a space like that in london will at max close at 3 a.m max free so the fact that we have so little of those type of spaces it's really not it's really not expected to us to suddenly have a space where it's open until 30 hours so, i mean even forward that was meant to be the 24 hour nightclub is now only doing those 24-hour parties here and there and sometimes they're not even 24 hours at like 16 or something right so the fact that they're able to open for three days is absolutely wild do you know what I mean wild 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 so big up them so definitely maybe if you haven't you know just for the sake of it it might be just fun just to go just to try out for that sake it continues it says the party will run from 11 p.m on saturday through to 5 a.m on monday the there are slots for the likes of Ricardo Villalobos, Afro Deutsch, VTSS, Jazz, DJ Tennis, Margaret Digas, Francesco Delgada, Kink, Just Cafe, FKA, M4A, which I'm a big fan of. Again, somebody that I only found out, courtesy of Hall, that, 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 that channel online. Definitely someone I reckon you can check out if you haven't already. And obviously residents like Craig Richards, Bobby and Anna Wall. So just reading out the names, it just sounds a bit funky. It doesn't necessarily sound like I could hear at night. It doesn't necessarily sound like it would make much sense going together. But I guess you know, it just is what it is. But yeah, it's a bit of a funny one. I'm not really too sure. I'm, I'm absolutely down with it. I've got to be completely honest. It does seem a bit strange. It does seem like a lineup I wish you would want to check out. But I guess that's the like I said before. That's a difficulty of running a space like Fabric. You have to kind of get into the groove. I mean, you kind of have to get with the kids and shit you can't just be booking the same old people but i don't really know if that's the kind of night that i would want to go to i'll probably end up going to regardless but the lineup is very very bizarre personally for me not the great especially not for, for, for a 20th birthday party but you know i guess it's something maybe to consider also oh, sorry, 20th 23rd birthday party something to consider going forward but yeah check it out if you haven't already october 15th to 17th at fabric it is their 23rd birthday party Next on the list What's we have here Oh we have this news This is really bleak for me Um, It looks like fucking Boomtown Another festival that I always wanted to go to That I was actually considering going to next year Has maybe been acquired by Live Nation Which you know already means It's the beginning of the end People always have so many good things to say about Boontown, how well it's run, even though it's all that like DMB and jungle and bass shit and basically white people music. It's still basically one of the most fun festivals. I even hear security guards. I remember, I forgot where we went. We went to one festival and one security guard was even raving about Boontown to us. A security guard saying how good it was. So obviously it's got a really great reputation. And you know the people obviously make those kind of things, but when Live Nation starts getting involved and starts investing in these kind of things, obviously for the people that organise Boomtown, it's great for them. You know, it's a great payday. Allows them to do more interesting and cool things that provide better product for the fans and whatnot. But if you're an actual long term fan of Boomtown and be going for a while, you have to be worried about this. You definitely have to be worried because I've I've never known a big corporation like Live Nation to get involved in these sort of festivals and whatnot and for it to turn out good. It rarely, if it ever turns out good, It's always kind of the beginning of the end, which is of course to be expected too, because if you're Boontown, like I said before about the LGBTQ kind of plus events that are happening here in London and the kind of alternate queer scene really becoming popular and they're having issues with kind of straight men going and, you know, diluting their spaces. Unfortunately, if your product becomes really successful and really popular, you're going to get people outside of your community wanting to also have a bit of peace of the fun, wanting to also get involved. And that can also mean problems isn't it? because, you know, you want to keep your thing pure. But if you want to grow, you want to survive, you want to evolve and whatnot, you're going to have to maybe acquire, you're going to have to maybe open yourself up to gear acquired have investment come in and obviously those investments are not going to come in with just you know no influence and no hearsay they're going to want to have their opinion be known they're going to want to maybe add artists in that you don't want to book like it's just going to be a nightmare so i'm really nervous about this news and again i haven't been to boomtown yet ever so i can't claim any ownership on it but it's just really distressing news i think for everybody involved anyway the article says as follows Live Nation has acquired a minority stake in one of the UK's largest independent festivals Boontown. Dennis Desmond, the chairman of Live Nation UK Island, and Stuart Douglas, the CEO, were appointed as directors of Boontown Festival and his parent company on July 6, according to Companies House Dam. Along with finance manager Mark Nichols, the two joined the event's co-founders Luke Mitchell and Christopher Rufford. Mitchell and Rufford have both been on the boards so of directors of 2019, 2011, and are both based in Bristol. A representative of Boontown told Mix for us, as a business, our vision has always been very clear. We're a festival like no other, a full living, in theater which is set around friends community and creative spirit like many other businesses in our industry due to covid our landscape has changed and to stay ahead we had to adapt and be agile and it's been a very tough few years oh man covid really fucked up a lot of people in it right they probably would have never entertained this sort of shit before covid right you can just imagine what the scene was like pre-2019 it was vibrant Vibrant popping off, and then it kind of completely dies post 2019. And it, some of it has, hasn't ever really recovered. People have kind of had to move to different sectors. Like, even DJs had to kind of quit careers and do other things because the gigs haven't been popping the way they have been. Even for me, a guy that plays in like bars and pubs at a level, I've never really gone back to my level of playing beforehand. And I was playing every single week in different places, not even in one place. So it's absolutely t- crazy and tragic. It continues. One decision that we came to In the last few months As a direct result Of the rising costs In uh, staging um, Such an epic and complex show Was to seek investment And Manochi's stake In the business From some of the most Experienced names In the industry SLM So they gave away 9, 18 and 18 Oh god man Look again. It's a business, man. This is what you have to do to keep the lights on. They have many, many people they look after, many families that depend on that wage or that salary from Boomtown. People that they've had, you know. I mean, imagine if they started this whole thing off the back of being university friends or living in the same area in Bristol. You know, this is a family affair. So there's loads that goes into this sort of stuff. So to me, to sit here and be a hipster and be like, "Oh, they should have kept it independent." I mean, it's not. I have no right to say that, but let's just be honest and you know, be let's just be clear and honest this this doesn't look good for the future we're gonna st- imagine you start seeing fucking anne marie playing at fucking boomtown going forward and shit it's gonna get really commercial really quickly it continues this decision will not only allow boomtown to continue its vision to be one of the most exciting festivals in the world but it also ensure the flexibility to continue to uphold independence on our all decisions around business and creativity it always starts like that but it never ends like that no one's going to give you money um, to lift, to kind of make sure your company is able to pay salary and, you know, do interesting things going forward and not have any say-so in what you do creatively as a business. It's not going to happen. It's just impossible. I've been in too many startups where, you know, investors say that kind of thing to get the founders on board and whatnot to accept their money. And then as soon as stuff starts to become a bit edgy, they soon, you know, start to kind of throw in their two pence and whatnot. And it's hard to tell somebody to shut up that gave you money. Um, the Hampshire Festival, which debuted in 2009, was included in for- performers such as Wu Tang, Klang, Lauren, Hero, and Gorillaz, and Kofi, Man's M.I.M. More. The 67,999 cap event, most recent edition, was held over two previous weekends of the 10th and the 14th in Winchester. This year's edition welcomed Rissmer of the... There was also a set for the day. Boomtown received nine hundred and ninety-one grant from the UK government of cultural Recovery Fund, which organizers claim would ensure the festival's existence. Being forced to cancel the day. Okay, so I guess this wasn't enough then. Gee, so much. It must be. It must cost a lot to run a festival. isn't it, a production company, all that sort of stuff. Imagine my operation costs are year to year to run that shit. Fuck me. Nearly a million wasn't enough to keep them afloat. They needed more. Bumbarated man. And that's just to keep them running, not, you know, money they need to make on top. That's just to keep them operating. Speaking about Live Nation's small stakeholder, Boontown's um, Chris Rutherford said, We are excited by the possibilities of this move. For us, it's business as usual. We still hold the keys, we're still running the show all right whatever you say we have the safety of knowing that there is now a group support to help us support through the tail end of these rocky years provide this ability for the future this means we can continue to thrive and provide employment for one of the best festival crews in the world and deliver our audience the magic that is Boontown see that's the thing like I said before I found out about Boontown through like friends right it's, a, it's one of the festivals you always hear about word of mouth and then I also have security guards at festivals recommend it to me that say hey why are you coming here you should go to Boomtown so clearly a lot of that has to do with how they organise it and a lot of it as well because again many great clubs many great festivals have mostly been defined by the staff and staff And that, from what I've been reading online about people, especially people in Berlin who have basically said, you know, one guy I read who had a club where he basically said, there's no point in me opening up again because all my staff have left and essentially saying those staff are what made this club and they were the best people. I can't find people that are that good again because they've all gone into different, you know, careers or decided to change and do other things or move away, blah, 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 blah. blah. So clearly staff within like hospitality, live events, clubbing, festivals are really important. Even if they're just volunteers, getting the right people in to set the right mood goes a long way. And I know it myself, you know, you only need one really aggro search or one really rude bartender or one, you know, whatever it may be, cold person to kind of throw you off the complete time you're on there and to kind of set a bad precedent. But if you have a couple of good interaction with people, suddenly your mood lifts and you're kind of really looking forward to the event, what you're going to do, who you're going to see and what it just completely changes the landscape of it. So, the fact that they keep talking about the staff members and the family and the community, clearly that's the bedrock of the festival that they put on. They kind of basically set the precedent of it and, they, and they're and the ones that preach the gospel of boontan because I heard about it, do you know what I mean? And I'm a nobody. It continues. Um, Ian Evans, the owner of IME Music, was hired by Live Nation earlier this year. Since then, the company has added to its staff by hiring Maddie Arnold, who was previously a promoter. Live Nation has also purchased a London-based music and arts company. What's that one? um parallel lines promotions, mixed magazines. So yeah. Let's see, man. Hopefully it doesn't mean the beginning of the end of life of because I would like to go especially during you know it's good years let's say and not when it gets too commercial but again they've got a great product people want to get involved people clearly love it um they've clearly been able to do it a lot independently i'm sure that's why people at live nation want to invest because they look at the books like hold on you're able to do this all independently alone okay cool i mean they're just they're just probably licking their lips at what they can do if they kind of pump in some money and give them their contact books and whatnot blah 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 but Hopefully, this doesn't spell the beginning of the end. Hopefully, it doesn't spell the beginning of the end. And then, moving on here, we have some fucking amazing, amazing pictures of Houghton Festival that Mixmag took that kind of make me really pissed off that I didn't go, especially to go see my flipping DJ hero in terms of Ricardo Villalobos. I don't have a lot. I have him, I have um, DJ Harvey, I have David Mancuso, obviously um who else i have as a dj hero on my top i don't really have many actually people actually would be bothered to see but anyway it doesn't matter we kind of a little, It's definitely one of the top ones that i definitely like and he was definitely somebody i went to go see at that festival but again i just wasn't bothered about doing the whole camping thing i was very i was very kind of mentally ill-prepared because i wasn't aware that it was the entire camping trip festival thing but also festival camping festivals are known to be fucking a, Amazing, right? the fact that you kind of surrender yourself to this whole experience, you go there and kind of unplug from the outside world. usually networks doesn't really work too tough there. you go and meet new interesting people. it all kind of works really, really well when you go and do it properly. So I should have maybe exposed myself to it fully, but I didn't, of course because I'm an idiot. So that aside. The festival pictures that Mix Mike took looked amazing. The article link uh, title says Lifting the Curse and Festival is finally back and better than ever. So, you know, the first ones that come back, the first festival back after that, you know, pandemic are always going to be amazing and eclectic. Look at the crowd there. It looks fucking sensational. Craig riches there searching through his records. I can't wait to obviously go when I do end up going there. I will end up actually going. I'm pretty sure of it. But man, this is definitely FOMO. A lot of FOMO there. Check out the pictures. But again, I just wasn't, I just, I don't know, man. I just didn't get myself prepared mentally to go to a festival out in a stick somewhere and actually hang out properly. I should have probably done that beforehand. But hey, lesson learned, lesson learned. And I think... I'm going to end the show there Because I've been rambling on For a while So thank you again For tuning into the show It's been show, Episode number 594 I'm pretty sure If it's your first time Check out the show Via YouTube You know what to do Smash like Hit subscribe And all that good stuff If you're listening Via the podcast app, Then please leave me A five star review And share the show With your family and friends And until then I'll see you guys again Very very soon Take care Be safe Or if you listen To the audio show As per usual you hear a song of the day If you're listening Or watching via YouTube You won't hear anything it will just go to grey I'm sorry about that and I'll see you again soon. Peace.
1: Some people like the beach, some people like the mountains. Some are wishing on the star, throwing pennies in a fountain. But when it comes to a kiss that'll blow my mind, I'm always looking for new eyes. Yeah, they.